Well, thank the Lord for you guys, uh, that you're a praying class, and uh, prayer is certainly an important weapon uh, in our arsenal. Um, The Lord has given us for defeating these respectable sins, so always encouraged by our our time together in prayer when we get to uh, share uh, burdens and joys of of the Christian life and uh, able to lift each other up in, in that way, so certainly an important part of what we do here in Koinonia is is pray. And so I'm also encouraged uh, by, by Patsy's email and her just uh, willingness to put that together for us and keep that in front of us uh, throughout the week so we know um, who to pray for and just reminders of um, how we can be lifting each other up through the week. So um, thank you all. Thank the Lord for you and your, your um, perseverance in prayer. Today we're going to be in uh, session four of uh, Jerry Bridges' study on respectable sins. And we'll be covering the sins of anxiety and discontentment. Um, just uh, again to, to review where we've been, um, session one and session two were just foundational. Session one, we faced up to the truth about our identity. We are believers who are saints, but yet saints who, who still sin. Um, we talked about the disappearance of sin in our culture and, and just the malignancy of sin, the damage it does, and um, it cost uh, Christ um, death on the cross. That was uh, on our behalf. That was the the sign of um, just how heinous um, sin against God is, and so. That goes for all sins, even respectable sins. We said those are subtle sins that we tend to minimize and tolerate in our own lives. Um, Session two, we talked about the remedy for sin. Um, The gospel uh, is the remedy for sin, whether they're scandalous or respectable. The work of Christ in the past through his righteous life, atoning death and victorious resurrection, and his current work in us now by the Holy Spirit saves us from the penalty of sin and the power of sin. We meditate on the gospel daily. Um, This allows us to plow the grounds of our hearts so that we can more accurately see our sin. It frees us to face sin by giving us the assurance that we are forgiven, and it motivates and energizes us to deal with sin. In other words, it fuels our faith. We also uh, live under the controlling influence of the Holy Spirit, and we must rely on his power to overcome sin. This is the walk of faith. Uh, As it says in Galatians 5.16, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. And then we covered uh, directions for dealing with sin. And uh, this is kind of just the... Uh, a pattern, a helpful pattern to go through um, as sin crops up. This dovetails nicely with what Clay has been teaching. I guess his series is is finished now, but um, his series on growing up into maturity in Christ. Um, We said we apply the gospel um, when these sins crop up applying the gospel because our sins are forgiven in Christ and we have his perfect record of righteousness before God. Our justification is in him. And so we take our sin back to the cross. Uh, We depend on the Holy Spirit. As we said, it's only by his power that we're putting sin to death in our lives. 
We're not to fall back to our default setting of self-atoning or our fleshly willpower. There is no power there to defeat sin. Romans 8.13 says, If you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We said we must own our responsibility for sin and pursue every practical means to put sin to death. Uh, We called this uh, dependent responsibility. That's a term that uh, Bridges coined. uh, Dependent on the Spirit, but yet responsible to use all the means of grace at our disposal to uh, employ those against our battle uh, with sin. Um, we have to be specific. Um, again, this morning we'll just get into the specific sins of ang- anxiety and discontentment, um, identifying them specifically, uh, how to recognize those, um, some of the root sins behind them, and then some of the the fruit sins, uh, what uh, other sins often accompany uh, these subtle, respectable sins. We said that uh, we use the scriptures as a weapon. We memorize and apply appropriate scriptures. We want to store up God's word in our hearts so it can be recalled when temptation is near. As it says in Psalm 119.11, we obey these commands we have memorized by faith, going against our feelings in the moment when we're tempted to sin. And then we cultivate a practice of dependent prayer. Um, That's planned prayer. And then spontaneous prayer in the moment when those temptations flare up. And then uh, we also involve the church. So if you're entangled in a pattern of habitual sin, uh, ask a mature brother or sister uh, in the church for help. That's what we're commanded to do in Galatians 6, 1 and 2. And then last week we um, started down the path of just identifying specific respectable sins we talked about ungodliness and unthankfulness Uh, uh, Jerry Bridges defined ungodliness this way he said ungodliness may be defined as living one's everyday life with little or no thought of God or of God's will or of God's glory or of one's dependence on God so this is a kind of practical atheism so whatever we may say we believe about God If we go through our week with barely a thought of him or how we are relating to him, then we are living as if he doesn't exist. And this is the uh, core of ungodliness. I called ungodliness the ground that grows all kinds of sin. And by this, we're just saying that it's, it's the underlying attitude or... The sin under the overt and, and subtle sins that are manifesting themselves in the life of a believer. And then we touch briefly on the sin of unthankfulness, reminding ourselves that we are to be thankful for all circumstances that a good and sovereign God brings into our lives. First Thessalonians 5.18, And everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Isn't the clarity of, of God's word refreshing? Uh, you can tell any Christian at any time in any circumstance that God's will is not a mystery. God's will for them is that they give thanks. Um, So we talked about delivering that truth in a loving way, especially counseling those who are suffering, but understood biblically with a right view of God, this is a comforting truth. One that I need to preach to myself often. And that brings us to where we are this week. Session four We're going to address the sins of anxiety and discontentment.
Um, obviously, teaching something like this, it's, um, it's humbling and it's convicting because in the study uh, of, of these sins, um, <coughs> conviction is brought to bear. It's, it's something that is, is familiar to probably all of us, these particular sins. Um, and Bridges sees these two sins stemming from a distrust of God. I think that's a biblical view of, of, these, of these sins. And we're going to look at texts that are going to flesh that out for us. Anxiety is sin. Uh, let me see here. Chapter 9 um, is on anxiety and frustration. And I'm going to punt on frustration until we get to the sin of anger. I think that's maybe a better label, uh, a better heading under which I would put frustration. I didn't do an exhaustive word study or, or word search, but uh, I couldn't find a biblical word that equates well with what we call frustration. Um, you know, there's plans being frustrated um that's that's a concept that that i understand but um i think we've kind of inserted this word into our vocabulary to soften other specific sins so when we say frustration you know what exactly are we saying so in this scenario i was frustrated when my wife called me on the way home and told me to grab a frozen pizza from the store because she had a crazy day and wasn't able to prepare the nice meal she had planned so what, what are you saying? Uh, you were angry, you were self-pitying, you were embittered. So, so maybe there's better, more biblical words we can use to, to define frustration. But that will be for another day. We'll cover that when we, we cover anger. But today we're going to cover specifically anxiety. Uh, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, verses 25 through 34, Jesus talks about uh, anxiety. Uh, he commands us uh, not to be worried about our life. Um, let's back up to um, verse 19, because I want you to see the wider context that these instructions about anxiety are delivered after Jesus has just talked about wealth. So back up to 19, we'll, we'll get kind of a running start and, and some of the context that, that Jesus talks about anxiety in. Matthew six nineteen, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. 
For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. And yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then, saying, What will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus is saying we're, we're not to worry. The ESV translates the same word, anxious. Not to worry about what we're to eat, drink, or wear, or about what, we, what may or may not happen in the future. Uh, but I think getting the running start to see what Jesus was teaching uh, previously helps us see that anxiety reveals idolatry. There's idolatry of wealth that is causing his listeners to be anxious. And so they're storing up treasures on earth rather than in heaven. And it seems like the implied response, why are you storing up treasures on earth? Um, Jesus puts his finger right on it. You're, you're, you're idolizing wealth and you can't serve two masters. And so because you idolize wealth, you're anxious about the future. And you might say, well, I'm, I'm storing up wealth because I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I, I need food. I need clothing. I, I, need, I need money for the rest of my life. And Jesus is saying you're, you're idolizing wealth. And because you're idolizing it, you're anxious about these things. And so we could say that anxiety is revealing a, a root sin of idolatry. So our idol is being threatened, and that triggers anxiety immediately. Jesus puts his finger on areas that we're tempted to be anxious about. That's resources needed to sustain life now, and then future provision for our needs. And I think you hear that a lot, even in financial counselors, or financial counseling, or radio programs that talk about finances. You hear callers call in, and they're um, just consumed with anxiety. Have I, have I saved enough? Do I have enough for retirement? Do I have enough for my children's education? Now, those are all good things. Those are prudent things to plan for and to set money aside for. Our, our study in Proverbs was, was clear on that. We, we do make plans for the future. That is prudent, and that is a responsibility that we have. But this undue concern that causes anxiety is not good. It is sinful. And a lot of times it's, it's two ends of the spectrum. Those who 
um, don't don't have resources, are, anxi- are anxious about the future, but also those who have a lot of resources can also become consumed with anxiety about keeping their wealth, about who's gonna, who are they going to pass their wealth on to. And so uh, Jesus is clear. No man can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and wealth. And those who serve wealth or bow to the idol of wealth, they are consumed with anxiety about the future, about their resources not lasting. And so um, just keep that in mind as you see anxiety crop up. Trace it back to the idol that is being threatened. In answer, in answer to this anxiety, um, Jesus points us to our Heavenly Father. If he cares for the lesser things of his creation, will he not take care of us? He knows what we need better than we do, so don't worry about tomorrow. Yes, make plans for the future. Set aside um, resources so that you can uh, take care of your responsibilities as a provider for your family. Leave an inheritance to your children. That's, that's not sinful. But this inordinate um, worrying about wealth and whether the Lord will take care of us, it's, uh, it's ungodliness. It's calling into question God's character, that he will take care of his own. So anxiety is sin. Clearly, uh, we're commanded not to be anxious by Christ. Um, and this is a controversial statement in today's culture. Anxiety has been redefined as a mental health diagnosis. Um, a person that struggles with anxiety, we're told from the medical community, they can't help it. Um, you know, it's because of um, imbalance in their, their brain chemicals or perhaps a result of some emotional or physical trauma that they experienced in the past. And, and that person is told that they can never escape from the pattern of anxious thoughts. Perhaps drugs may help them manage um, dull the pain, but they will never be cured of anxiety. You know what a sad, what a sad statement. What a sad thing to burden people with um, that they can never be free of this. And Scripture would say otherwise. You can be free uh, of anxiety. That doesn't mean that that some people will struggle with certain sins more than than other people. They may be, have a bent towards this. They may struggle with it more. They may be repenting of it every day. But um, the hope of the gospel and the hope of what we're learning in Scripture today is that um, it, is, it is not uh, who you are. You are a saint. You are a saint that may struggle with anxiety, but a saint that can, can make progress in putting this sin to death. And sadly, it's, it's not only a prevalent belief in our culture, but this uh, view of anxiety is also prevalent in the church. But we're going to look to the, the scripture and, and see what it says. We've already read the words of Jesus. He commands us not to be worried about our life. Paul writes in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer... And supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he commands us to be anxious for nothing.
the Apostle Peter um, says in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. This is the word of God. These are not suggestions, but commands. Uh, Believers are not to be characterized by anxiety or undue concern about the things of life. And based on these texts, we can say that our culture is deceived. And many in the church are misguided at best or disobedient at worst. Anxiety is sin. How so? Well, anxiety is sinful in, in two ways. First of all, anxiety is a distrust of God. So we just saw uh, Peter, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, told us that the proper response to the feelings of worry that arise in our heart is to immediately cast them on God. Why does he say this? Because he cares for us. God cares for us. The believer is the personal concern of God. What a comforting thought. And that thought, if we really believe it's true, will dispel our anxiety. And on the flip side of that, when we are anxious and don't cast our anxiety on God, but instead spiral downward into greater depths of anxiety, we're believing that God doesn't actually care about my life and he is unwilling to take care of me in my present circumstances. Anxiety is is also sin because it's a denial of God's good providence in our lives. We quickly forget that the immediate circumstances causing us anxiety are under the sovereign control of God. It's ungodliness at its core. Again, what we said, it's kind of the soil that, that these sins grow out of. So just some uh, questions I'd like to hear from you guys um, just in your own experience or um, just as you've processed this in your own life. What are the underlying root sins that lead to anxiety? We've already identified ungodliness, but what what other sins tend to, to cause this to flare up? So discontentment, that's one that you... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, yep. Mark? It's the fear of man and worrying about what other people think about you, the insecurity and... That's a huge one. Yeah. Fear of man, certainly. Yeah. Pride. Yeah. That's something like I have dealt with. I can do this on my own. Yeah. I don't need somebody else. Yeah. That's right. And when it doesn't work out, then you're just so glad it's not working. Yeah. Because you're not working. Yeah. That's another major one. Pride, sure, certainly. Yes, Ethan. I think going along with that, the need to be in control. You know, the idea that. 
that I think it, it's um, tight with pride, which is the idea that I control my circumstances and that I can do it on my own. Yeah. And that kind of like you said, if I mess this up, it's all on me, and yeah. I need to figure out how to get where I want to go in my life. So yeah. I think it does come back to pride, but this idea that I'm in control yeah. and I'm God versus He's God. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, that is like it's tied in with a belief or a lack of belief that God is sovereign and God is in control of what your circumstances are. Yeah. Um, and or a belief that God is good and like has your best interest in yeah. mind. Yeah. You forget either you forget because you're not constantly reminding yourself, or you may have incorrect beliefs about that looks like and, and so Yeah, you guys have put your finger on a lot of the major root sins, and we can sin is deceptive and deceitful. So we could we could go all morning on on identifying those those root sins. But yeah, those are definitely major categories: fear of man, pride, um, self sufficiency, um, lack of trust in in God. Um, that's really at the root of it. Um, what are some of the fruit sins that often follow or accompany the sin of anxiety? So you become anxious, and then what flows out of that if you're not taking thoughts captive, renewing your mind, putting that sin to death, then, then what are the follow-on sins that happen? Anger. Mm-hmm. Anger. Uh, health issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. General state of Yeah, lack of joy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Not looking to Christ, but just inward focused. Yeah. Right. It's 
saying the first thing on your mind rather than you know taking all thoughts captive. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Despairing. Yep. Hopelessness. Yeah. Neglecting responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can see there's there's all kinds of, of sin that if we're not putting this to death, if we're not identifying this subtle sin, then it, it's manifesting itself in all kinds of a bad a bad fruit. Um What are some things that you're tempted to be anxious about? That's good. Yeah, go. Somebody over there? Aaron, go ahead. I think for those of us who have academics, there's always this anxiety, like a borderline anxiety about scores and outcomes. There's a very worldly narrative that if you don't meet certain things, if you don't make certain cutoffs, Mm -hmm. if you're not hitting the mark, you're not going to be all that you're supposed to be, and it goes down a spiral. So that's constantly reinforced yep. throughout that. Yeah. Yes. How we perform daily tasks in our everyday lives, mm-hmm. whether in service of others or in our job or at church, and how people are perceiving those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the fear of man, yeah, plays into it a lot. I think even with the relation, relationship aspect, fear of man is also a component there. Um, yeah, something I was just working through, you know, this week, um, you know, new, new experiences, like things you haven't faced before, like, you know, birth of a first child. <laughs> That's, I've been through that four times and each time it's like, I, I don't know how we, that was wild. It's like, <laughs> so it's like, we made it. Everybody's good, but man, how did we make it? The Lord was kind. So, um, yeah, those things like just just talking through the fears that come with that and the anxiety and talking to a a son who's just getting established in the workforce and you know anxiety about work and what's he going to do for his life and so all kinds of opportunities and then just speaking to my own heart like yeah I I he's anxious about work I as I'm talking to him I'm preaching to myself because I'm like 
yeah, that's a common temptation to be anxious about those things. So the Lord's putting, he's providentially putting these circumstances in our life to to expose this and give us an opportunity to repent and um, trust him. Yeah. Your sports team, not me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we get anxious about trivial things, right? <laughs> Maybe not so trivial to some people, but... Um, just a, a couple of comments about wrong responses to anxiety. Accepting God's good providence in our lives, even when life hurts, does not mean that we don't pray for circumstances to change. Um, remember what Philippians 4, 6, and 7 said, we're not to be anxious about anything, but instead we're to pray with thanksgiving to God in confidence that he is able to change our circumstances. And if he doesn't change our circumstances, then we can rest in faith knowing it is for our good and his glory. Uh, Romans 8.28. So it's not wrong to pray for your circumstances to change. Um, And then also there are things in life that are legitimate concerns that we are commanded to take responsibility for. Anxiety is an undue concern about our our lives. Uh, That is forgetful of God and our responsibility to him. So if you're a husband... It should be your concern to live with your wife in an understanding way. That is a biblical command. And to neglect that is sin. So putting the sin of anxiety to death does not mean being unconcerned with the responsibilities of life and work and family and worship. Um, Instead, it's tackling those responsibilities in a godly way, not forgetting the God who is sovereignly orchestrating all these things. So, again, we're back to that that term, dependent responsibility. At the beginning, we went through the steps we can take to to begin to put these respectable sins to death. So I'm not going to go back through all those steps, but um, if you've written those down, those just helpful helpful ways we can kind of get our thoughts out on paper and start to see where we're, we're deceived in this area recognizing where we're believing lies and replacing those lies with the truths of scripture. So um, moving on in just the last um, few minutes, we'll look at the sin of discontentment. (coughs) Discontentment is a sinful dissatisfaction with the circumstances of life. And then it primarily um, surfaces in two categories, money and possessions and Um, unchanging circumstances so unchanging circumstances you can think in terms of um, uh, categories like inability to bear children um, an unhappy marriage physical disabilities uh, continual poor health these are all uh, trials of life trials in uh, a fallen world that we experience um, because of sin not necessarily our sin but Adam's sin so Um, These are painful circumstances of life, and they may be unchanging. So discontentment is a sin that can creep in 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 these situations if we're not renewing our mind. And discontentment is sin because it fails to recognize that our circumstances, no matter how difficult, are ordained by God as part of his plan for our lives. And this includes even the minute details of of how he formed our bodies. Um, If you go to Psalm 139, it's a good text to meditate on when we consider the way God has made us. Psalm 139, 
starting in verse 13, it says, For you formed my inward parts. You you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were written... In your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. So the circumstances of our life are not random. They're not just happening to us. They are ordained by God. And he um, has mapped those out for us before we even lived one of them. And even if we struggle with um, physical disabilities, um, God has uh, created us in that way for his own glory. Um, What are some biblical truths we can bring to bear uh, to renew our thinking in this area? Um, Let's go to uh, 1 Timothy 6. 1 Timothy 6. making an example of false teachers who are marked by discontentment and a desire to get rich off of the counterfeit gospel. Paul warns Timothy in this passage of the the dangers of discontentment. Um, Let's back up to um, verse 3. If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ, and with the doctrine conforming to godliness, he is conceited and understands nothing. But he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words, out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of depraved mind and deprived of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we can take nothing, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So we have the the false teachers on one hand who are are discontent. They're greedy for gain. They're um, making the the gospel a means of of getting rich. And uh, that points to the underlying discontentment that is, is underneath it all. We're not to be like that. We're to be content with with what we've been given. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. But those who are discontent, who uh, consume themselves with with getting rich, pierce themselves with with many trials, and and it leads them away from God. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, 
being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? So an understanding of uh, and firm belief in the sovereignty, wisdom, and goodness of God in all circumstances of life is the key to gaining victory in the fight against discontentment. In the last uh, two minutes here, what other sins often crop up if we tolerate discontentment in our lives? Person that comes to my mind is unthankfulness. Mm-hmm. If we're dissatisfied with what we do have, yeah, or dissatisfied with what we don't have, we're not going to ascribe glory to God and be thankful for what yeah. God has provided. Yep, that's good. Yes. Envy or jealousy. Yeah, envy. Well, covetousness. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe to put it in a more sneaky terms, it's like, oh, I'm that. I didn't feel like I'm owed something better. Yeah. 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 Sense of entitlement. I'm entitled to this. Yeah. Yeah. To God right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so again, we see how insidious these subtle sins are. What they give birth to is is ugly. They're ugly in themselves. Um, a rebellion against God, um, calling his character into question, certainly. So, um, yeah, just encourage you this week, go back through these, these passages, um, recognize it, and um, renew our minds with truth. I'll leave you with a, a comment from John Newton it's from the letters of John Newton he says this in a letter to a friend if all things are in God's hand if the very hairs of our head are numbered if every event great and small is under the direction of his providence and purpose and if he has a wise holy and gracious end in view to which everything that happens is subordinate and subservient then we have nothing to do but with patience and humility to follow as he leads and cheerfully to expect a happy issue. How happy are they who can resign all to him, see his hand in every dispensation, and believe that he chooses better for them than they possibly could for themselves. The Lord knows what's best. So let's put our trust there. Let's close in prayer and we'll be dismissed. Lord, it's humbling to stand up in, in front of my brothers and sisters and teach on these topics that um, I recognize in my own life, Lord. Thank you for the grace of uh, 
of Christ, the grace of your spirit that's poured out in our lives that gives us the power to put these things to death. Um, Help us to be about that work this week. Bring conviction, Lord. Bring illumination where we've been deceived to to bring these out into the open that we may own it and uh, confess it, uh, repent, and and walk in truth. Uh, Lord, we we trust you. Um, Help our unbelief and uh, bless our afternoon, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.